Good morning, boys and girls. Today, we'll be learning all about... Doll Crayon. Welcome back. You are in the crayon box. We are in the bunker at an undisclosed location. I am your host, Gabriel Zuger, and we're joined by father of the pod, David. David, how you doing? Hello again. Hello again. Welcome back. Good to have you. And I wanted to start off with um, really a shout out to a, a sister podcast of ours, which would be uh, Will's Band of the Week which you are a, at this point, a, a frequent Associate uh, correspondent yes. on. Yes. Um, I believe they say on Unpaid the show. Unpaid intern, et cetera. You, you've been called up to the bigs. You're, you're getting your cup of coffee right now, yes. as they say in, in MLB a, terms. I was a, a AAA player, and now I'm a, just a player. What affiliation were you? You were the, the Toledo... Were you with the Toledo I was with the Appleton. No, I was with the Appleton Timber Rattlers. Ah, uh, the Timber Timber Rattlers, right? Um, so for you, uh, just to start us off and get us warmed up, I have um, a little bit of upcoming uh, minor league baseball news. Now, I, as as we know, you're you're obviously a, a big proponent of minor league baseball. I'm a big fan of minor league baseball. I've been to many games myself, including on the famed Dull Crans. Uh, Kentucky bootlegging tour, uh, Tony from the Bronx and I went to a Lexington Legends game, uh, which was fantastic in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, but I wanted to bring you You're some You're saying news. that they have a name that's not bourbon-related? That's a surprise to me. It's not bourbon. And also, bur- if they were really legends, wouldn't they be in the major leagues? The, 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 How can you be in the minor leagues and be a legend? That I, make do, any I sense. don't. I, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I don't know the full history of the, the legend's name. However, I can tell you <laughs> with absolute certainty that their logo, uh, for reasons unknown to me, is or their mascot, I should say, is a big rippling Italian, uh, well, grease ball really from you know a, an '80s movie or something with you know a sort of zigzaggy Wario-like handlebar mustache. It's outrageous, and the guy goes around fist pumping. So it's like Mario the Plumber. Comes oh, it's to Kentucky. Huge. It's like it's like a ripped Mario the Plumber exactly. That's exactly what he looks like. Okay. Um, and he's he's Big L. He's the Big L. He's the legend. Um, I guess they ran out of ideas somewhere along the way. <laughs> and their and their and their logo, as a result, is simply his mustache. Which you know, <laughs> I mean, if minor league baseball is great for anything, it's great for its mascots and its logos, right? Because you know, where else are you going to have like uh, an anthropomorphized sock playing baseball? You know, as your logo, you're not going to have that on the Red Sox or the White Sox, but right. you will have it. You know, on the or the Alaska yeah. team, Toledo Mud Hens, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I think that yeah. yeah, they have the Las Vegas uh, Blackjack Dealers or whatever. You know, I, I don't know. I'm actually making that one up. But anyway, back to actual things we can report on. So, coming up at the Brooklyn Cyclones, we have some major events happening. Uh, okay. On, on Thursday, August 30th, it's the tribute to the office with an appearance by Creed Bratton and a Creed Bratton 
bobblehead giveaway to, you know, everybody who shows up. Now, I wow. you you never saw The Office, but Creed Bratton is a fan favorite. He's certainly my favorite character on The Office. I would describe him really as an elderly homeless man whose job in the office is simply to go unnoticed and try to keep his job, uh, which he will go so far as to get other people fired in order to keep his own job, which mm-hmm. he does not perform at all. Mm-hmm. He even has a minor stint as manager on the show. So th- this is obviously a big deal for Creed Bratton uh, showing up at, at uh, MCU Park in Brooklyn. I think the Cyclones are known for really obscure giveaway days. It gets, I remember, actually, I don't remember, but I I know a few years ago they had one that was equally cult like. It gets so much better than that. I think. Oh wait, I think maybe they celebrated mm, something Seinfeld related. I think, but anyway, mm. go ahead. That sounds very familiar. I yeah. believe they did. Uh, they probably did like a George Body Suit yeah, kind yeah, of day like or that. something. They, yeah, they're, they're, they're into the, um, the very obscure giveaways. They yes. also have a a Harry Potter day. Uh, that's August 29th. Uh, well, that's not super obscure. It's not, but the the bobblehead seems to be some sort of eagle with a uh, Harry Potter uh, outfit on. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what that what the deal is there. They are also having September 1st. You know, getting back to school, a Mo Willems Day. Where they're gonna have a pigeon bobblehead oh. wearing a Brooklyn Cyclones hat. It's brilliant. And then August twenty fifth is the Star Wars Day, where they have a Star Wars Dark Side jersey giveaway. Check out that jersey, David. I mean, that shit Ooh, is fire. That is cool. You know, it's sort of got a Darth Vader mojo yes. to it, plus the Brooklyn Cyclones in red hanging over it. It's dark. It's really some dark shit. So. Mm-hmm. Again, just a shout-out to the Cyclones, a shout-out to Minor League Baseball, always getting it done. Um, and we're, we're happy to have you in the bigs, though. We're happy to have called you up here on the Dolcrans. We're glad that you got your call up on Will's Band of the Week. And we, we know you're having a good time, so thanks for being here, David. The Brooklyn Cyclones in the past have had such things as Brooklyn Cyclones Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. Oh, Day, that's night. not obscure at all, that David. Was on villain, that's my absolute hero. That was on Villain Night. Wait, here's the one I remember. Brooklyn Cyclones Seinfeld, Kenny Bania talking bobblehead. Banya. It's pronounced Banya, Banya David. Sorry, Banya. Banya! I don't even remember this character. Oh, my God. But that's obscure. That is pretty obscure. I mean, you know, that's... <laughs> It's uh, even below putty level. Oh, well, well below putty. No, no, no. We're we're talking about like bubble boy level or uh 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 what was um uh what was George's wife's name? Damn it. Can't even get that. I'm busting. Um but uh back to a topic that actually we spoke uh with mother of the pod Ellen on earlier um as far as back to school and school supplies. So kids teachers, everybody getting ready to go back to school. And we discussed how, you know, kids and parents are really being asked to bring more than ever to their schools, right? How there was a time where you could show up on day one at school without anything in your backpack. And now it seems like not only are you supplying supplies for yourself, but you're pretty much bringing materials for your entire fucking grade, um, as well as, you know, janitorial supplies, uh, things to make for lunch in the cafeteria, 
um, and also, you know, laundry detergent for uh, God knows who. Um, well, as the supply list that you have collected from the uh, locale, uh, the local areas around the undisclosed mountain location indicate, these are, these are the, the small towns of this area. Um, the bunker de- villages, if you will. Yes, depending depending on what grade, depending on what school. Uh, you know, some of them are just your standard, your standard uh, paper and pencils and dividers and 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 spiral notebooks and graph paper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then some of them, you are supplying uh, boxes, large boxes of snacks like goldfish and fruit snacks and pretzels and cheez-its and glue sticks, and Ziploc Clorox bags. wipes, Clorox and Ziploc wipes. bags, and sandwich bags. And insoles, and tube socks, and... Antibacterial hand gel, and Kleenex. Your own chair, your own table, your own desk. Uh, please bring... No uh, tables, chairs, and desks on here yet. Please bring 60-watt soft white bulbs. Um, well, as we discussed on a... On a previous podcast, uh, uh, we do know that there are schools. Schools are down to a bare minimum, but even in Detroit, the schools still have walls. Some have roofs, not all. Right. And they and they seem to have their own chairs and desks, so they're not asking for that. But not yet, not know. yet. But so we we've also learned since that report um, from HuffPo. Uh, that teachers are also doing a fair amount of buying for their own classrooms. I mean, being a teacher myself, this was not a shock to me. However, that we have actual statistics on this was sort of a surprise. So I read now from Huffington Post. Yes. Um, the recent rise of sites like Donors Choose, a fundraising platform for educators, and Teachers Pay Teachers, a site that allows them to buy and sell educational resources, underscore that many educators are left to fully supply their classrooms on their own, or, as we pointed out, with the help of parents and students alike. Well, uh, indeed, it's still fully because... They're not being, they're not being furnished with anything. Not, it, right. yes, it yes. doesn't come from the administration that indeed, theoretically supplies the schools. Indeed, the U.S. Department of Education released survey findings in May that showed 94% of public school teachers paid for classroom supplies without reimbursement during the 2014-15 school year. 94%. Yeah, let's basically just round all. that up. Let's just round that up. That's basically called all. If you were a public school teacher since 2014, basically, because we're not saying it ended in the 2015 school year. We're right. saying if you were a teacher since 2014 in public school, you have at some point bought materials for your class that you were not reimbursed for. Right. Now it gets wild. The other 6% there is yes. those are just, you know, the super affluent schools. Among those teachers, the average amount spent was $479. Again, that's the average amount. So we're going to have teachers that, you know, in that 94, we're going to have, you know, 14% are doubling over and they're spending mm-hmm. 1000 throughout mm-hmm. the course of mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have mm-hmm. some that, you know, really just bought the sticker, the puffy stickers for so basically you know, a few every, A pluses. Every teacher in America should get a, a notice, probably from the Department of Education, saying when you receive your, uh, your notice of uh, precisely what you're being paid this year from the, you know, teachers union or whatever right don't forget to subtract five hundred dollars well really and so wait it gets you know just to just to 
just to really put an emphasis on that on that point that you're making about what what the you know what a teacher's you know ends right. are. Right. Some educators publicly share links to their Amazon wish lists filled with suggestions for supplies. And recently, a report from Airbnb showed nearly one in ten hosts in the lodging site in the U.S. are teachers, many of whom are trying to make ends meet. So. And then there's the whole question of how many teachers are Uber drivers. Oh, yeah. We haven't even got... We don't have that statistic. Again, right. I'm surprised that we have any of these statistics. But yes, that would take it to another fucking level if you're getting off work, going out to the parking lot, and picking up a fare two hey, blocks away. Hey, you got extra time. You got off early. Come on. I didn't say you got off early, but sure. No, yes. I'm saying you got oh. off earlier than the you know people oh, yeah, you, yeah, you're in right. offices. So, you're right. You know, you, you're right. You really. I, you're right. You're you, right. You woke up. You woke up at. You're six. a person of leisure. Let's you face woke it. up at six to get to school at seven thirty, but you got out at four o'clock. So now you definitely have two hours before hey, you have to make time. dinner for yourself and make sure it's that rush the, hour. Make sure that the toilet paper has been refilled in your Airbnb apartment. In you know, you can do that. Shared living people space. To pick up. <laughs> um. So. But but okay. But. Let's wait. Can we focus in? Please. Here? Let's focus in. Let's focus in. So Amazon wish lists, and yes. also we discussed this. Donors choose. Well, we have. We well, we haven't discussed. It, but you mentioned it yet. donors yes, choose. Yes, I mentioned donors choose, which is basically an automated version of what you just described with the Amazon wish list. Yes. Instead of just posting your wish list and hoping that the and again parents... and again, I, I really want to state that posting a wish list to Amazon is also what escorts. <laughs> and sex workers are doing, you know, cam girls are doing online, you know, in order well, to get around, you know, tax fraud. You've obviously and, done more research on and other things. So, I, I, so I'm really, not up we're, on that, we're asking, we're yeah. asking our teachers to really get down in the muck and, you know, basically post back page ads for what they want in their fucking classrooms. Backpage, rest in peace. All right, Peter. Backpage. All right, Peter. Backpage. You were saying about donors choose. Okay, so if you're posting a wish list, you're basically throwing yourself on, and you're telling, let's say, the parents in your in your, uh, you know, the parents of your classroom, uh, here's my wish list. You're basically throwing yourself on the mercy of uh, the people that know you and yes. actually depend on you, because, or or whomever, maybe your relatives, I don't know, but you're asking people to help you in this situation fund your classroom right donors choose is just a much more organized and national organization doing exactly the same thing right meant to fund classrooms that are already david supposed to be under the agreements of our constitution funded by your tax dollars which you already paid in the previous cycle so what they do is they they highlight teachers and their projects. I, you know, you right. in your classroom need a particular kind of supply. You right. need you need something special. Yeah, yeah. Here's make what it, you're going to do paper with it. Paper machine airplanes this year. So I need here's what chicken gonna, wire. Right. Here's what you need. Here's what you're going to do with it. Uh, and here's how much I need. Right. And then a donor comes goes to the website looking for interesting projects and says, "Oh, here's a teacher that I really think is great. I think he or she is doing great things." Uh, I have some money. 
it can be anywhere from a dollar to you know thousands of dollars. Weren't we also doing this with micro investments in like third world countries as of a couple of years yeah, ago? I mean, yeah, so really, yeah. we're we're just saying the third world country is actually within right. our own borders, exactly, exactly. and we can make micro investments in our children's future. You know, by yes. by highlighting these projects. Continue. And as you pointed out, there's a reward associated with this, which is you get the warm feeling of of donating to the warm kids. Tinglies. Ooh. You get a tax deduction. Don't forget that. Oh my god. And you get you are guaranteed to get a thank you from the teacher and from the kids and photos to show just where your money went and how the project went. Which, so as wait, you wait, pointed wait, out, is very wait, much wait. like when Sally Struthers goes yes. on and, and tells you, you know, that you can adopt a, an animal or you can rescue an animal or yeah, yep. or you can uh, you can uh, you can sponsor a child right. somewhere in Zimbabwe right. and for a seventeen child. cents a week and and, and we'll send you pictures send as they you grow pictures. if right. they grow um, <laughs> if they grow we'll give you their name live. yeah right now now what's brilliant about what you just said among all all the rest of it is. You mentioned that there is even a tax deduction. There's a tax write-off for making this charitable donation. Correct. correct? Which so, you which, can't get if you're just donating to your classroom teacher. Which you can't get if you're just donating to your classroom teacher. But that, to me, seems like another way. It, it just seems like we're we're get we're, it, it just seems like the the crack pipe or the heroin needle. You know, the the spike to the system here. Because what we're saying is, your tax dollars aren't funding your classroom enough. So you need private charitable donations, but then for that donation, you get another tax write-off on your taxes, which will again continue to starve the you know hungry Correct. education system. Correct. And so every time somebody's doing this, there's still sort of pulling dollars and cents down out from the bottom line of all of this. Right. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like, you well, know, and it just sounds like a whirlpool just sucking all the way down. What's interesting, though, is also is there is a whole spectrum here of starvation mechanisms for the public schools. Now, the, the, the what I mean by that is there's a conservative, there's a Betsy DeVos starvation attack, which is right. basically just let's redirect the money to Christian schools and and charter schools. And away from the public schools. That's that's the most savage, most savage, and most direct. obvious and gratuitous. Yeah. But then you have this what we're talking about, which is the liberal, so subtle draining, so where hidden. people don't even realize they don't even that they're realize. attacking the public schools. They think they're supporting the public schools. Right. I pay my taxes. I take every exemption possible. I itemize and get these write-offs, and I made donations right. to this and that. Right. So you know, I. And I get my refund. Not only, <laughs> not only that, but Bill and Melinda Gates are upping your contribution this week only. I just read on their oh, website by fifty percent. Yeah, so get out there, get out there, and make your donations. So and they're that, getting a tax deduction so that Bill too. Can feel good too. Yeah, a I'm tax sure. deduction off money that he doesn't pay taxes on anyway. Right. So you know, um, and and as we pointed out, uh, you know, you just mentioned a few big hitters in our our you know, celebrity philanthropists. Right. Um, but as we pointed out on a previous show, Bill and Melinda Gates, who have been getting it wrong for decades now as far as education funding goes, right. and who are still being embarrassed. In fact, everybody we've talked about, you know, from, you know, the HuffPo article to, 
you know, Walmart giving out people's uh, supply lists and whatnot is failing compared to all hail the king, LeBron James. Right. Who is really getting it done because not only is he not asking for kids to bring in Clorox wipes and glue sticks and toilet paper, he's giving them bikes and clothes and giving their their parents classes and shit. Mm-hmm. So once again, well, all praise be to him. Well, well, on high. well, well. Wait, all praise? Are we giving him all praise? Because again, he's rewriting the rules of the game he, such that the game can never be played the same isn't again. Isn't he also part of this spectrum that I just identified, which is people taking money that might otherwise go into the public education system and redirecting it somewhere else. Yes. Okay. Now, he is setting an <laughs> example he's doing it, he's doing because he's showing he's showing you, it. yeah, he's showing you how it can really be done properly <laughs> with parental support and all of that. That's true. Right. But he's still part of this. I agree he's still part of this. I, I I also think that what... And if Bill Gates were setting up these schools and doing exactly what LeBron is doing, you would say, oh, no, another billionaire who thinks, you know, he can he can solve social problems. We This is not right. Right. LeBron's not a billionaire. He's just a multimillionaire. So right. does he get a pass? Uh, no, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't get a pass. However, for... You know, for his generosity and what I'd say for his vision, he gets a an ellipsis. He gets a let's hold judgment and wait on this and see what happens. Because I'll 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 argue again, as I believe I have before, that I think what he's doing is he's creating a, a blueprint. He's showing us the blueprint for how this needs to be done writ large throughout the country, right? Well, Not just in his private institution or you know anyone else's. Um, or in the micro funding that's being done by Bill and Melinda Gates or any yeah. of the people on, you know, Donors Plus or whatever the fuck we were talking about. Um, but that I think at the end of the day, when we see a, when we see a situation like this work and we understand what the bottom line is there, because, you know, I have to imagine he's keeping track. Somebody in his department is keeping track of exactly what it's going to cost to educate each of these children. Right. And to keep these families in good standing. Once we get that bill and we find out, oh, you know what? Here's exactly what it costs. It costs $25,000 a year to keep a child in good standing no matter their circumstance, you right. know, no matter their grade. And that's what everybody needs to pay in every state, period. Right. We're done. Okay. so Drop the mic. So I, would, so I would say, on the one hand, providing a model and showing how it can be done the right way is actually what where charter schools came from, that whole concept. Absolutely. So that's, you know, on the negative side. On the plus side, if they really do come out and say, this is the amount that that public schools should be spending, and this is how, you know, this is really what it costs to get it done, then that's on the positive side because what charter schools actually, I don't know if they started out saying, but they certainly came to say was, we can not only do it better, but we can do it cheaper, which... Right. Has never been proven. And 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 what, what we've also learned about charter schools is that none of their none of their programming was actually innovative, which was also uh, a claim that they made early on, right? They were gonna be the innovation, right? Like like you said, they were gonna create a new blueprint. 
but instead they didn't give us a new blueprint. What they told us was actually it just takes more structure, more rigidity, more time spent in the classroom and less, you know, less freedom and critical thinking all the way around, which again, that is what a lot of them are about. Yeah. Again, LeBron James has not shown that to be his cards yet. And, you know, I will say that I, I am at this moment kissing the ring and, you know, <laughs> playing the apologist here There's but again until ring, but yeah until i'm proven wrong um you know i want i want to look i want to look at this one as glass half full so far or glass filling up to half full at least okay um so our next story of defunding and despicableness comes to us from the birthplace of all evil and that would be texas I mean, I'm I'm kidding, of course, but after reading this article, I might not be kidding as much as you think. Uh, this from Bloomberg's reporting. I think when it comes to state government, you're pretty much correct on that. <laughs> this from Bloomberg's reporting. Texas saved billions cutting special education. Now the bill comes due. Texas's 5.4 million students are returning to school amid the usual scramble for textbooks, lockers, and desks. The state is also facing... <laughs> The state is also facing a huge problem of its own creation. How to find, evaluate, and properly teach as many as 200,000 students wrongly denied special education or overlooked as it sought to limit spending for the nation's fastest-growing school population. And then there's the question of how Texas, under orders from the U.S. government, will pay for it all. The federal mandate intended to make up for a de facto cap put in place by the Texas Education Agency in 2004, that's TEA, uh, may amount to the biggest single expansion of single education ever. Now, they say single biggest expansion of special special education. Yeah. It's obviously not. I mean, it is in the sense that there wasn't anything, so now there will be something. But it was a complete denial of special education. Right. right. It's, it's a like restoration. You, you, it, yeah, exactly. You created a vacuum, and now you're filling it. Right. You destroyed something. Right. Okay. For more than a decade, local school districts were pressured to turn away students in need. Now that must be undone. Uh, so um, having talked about this a little bit beforehand, we it doesn't state here what the what the – trial process was like but obviously the case has been that since 2004 they decided we're going to stop paying for special education altogether and we're going to hide the fact that we have any special education students and then at some point they were sued by what we can only assume are a massive number of you know uh of of students and parents of students parents and local districts right who were saying are you fucking kidding me where's the fucking money where's the fucking teachers where's this where's that um, and now, again, as the uh, as the article says, now that bill is coming due. Reminds me a lot of actually like the situation in in Yonkers, uh, as depicted in you know Show Me a Hero, when right. when a you know judge has to come in and say, actually, as an entire state, you've been fucking failing. And actually, we just spoke about this in our previous episode regarding uh, the state the Michigan of Michigan judge who said basically the state of Michigan you're out of luck. Yeah, who said, who said, actually, no, the state doesn't owe you anything. Here we have the opposite taking place, but right. there's a good reason for the opposite taking place. So I go on. Uh, the state and local districts now confront spending increases projected to reach more than $1.5 billion a year. So again, they took a shortcut, right? They took 15 years off, you know, to save a few million bucks here and there. And now at the end of the day, they're going to have to spend a billion, a billion five a year. 
just to make up for what they lost. Okay. Um, so all of this comes back to um, two years ago when the Houston Chronicle revealed that the percentage of students in Texas special education classes had fallen by roughly a third since the TEA set enrollment targets in 2004. Before then, the special education share in Texas was 11.8% of all students, not far below the national average. Makes sense. Over the next decade, the Texas figure fell to 8.6, while enrollment nationwide remained largely, largely unchanged. So people caught wise to the fact that they were fudging the numbers. Totally making but up the stats as they went. My question is, where were these students going? These students were going into the general population classrooms right. that they would have been going to anyway because in many of these cases, we're not talking about, uh, you know, we're not always talking about, you know, serious special education right. services. In right, some they're cases, kids who would be mainstreamed. Yeah, they're but kids. Right, with they're, services. Right. But with services, exactly. Right. With push-in or pull-out services, with an IEP, with this or that. Um so I'm just going to read for the legal perspective here why this is a big-ass deal. U.S. officials ruled that both the state and local districts in Texas had violated the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, a federal law that requires all students who qualify receive special education services. Now, IDEA was passed in 1975. It is without the a doubt— The law of the land. It is without a doubt— the one thing that I really took with me from all of my education in education, uh, where I got my master's in teaching, because it's really the only thing, it's the only policy you need to fucking know as a teacher. And it simply states, if they have a problem, if they have a diagnosed special education need, you must provide it for them. We don't care where you find the money, we don't care what the provisions are, right? But it's got to be addressed, period. Whether it's dyslexia, whether it's cerebral palsy, whether it's, uh, you know, legal blindness. I mean, whatever the case, if there's anything that's keeping it from a completely level playing field, we got to make up for it somehow. And Texas just decided... Mm -hmm. As of 2004, to say, nah, we're all right. They're Texas strong. We'll, right. just, we'll just pull them up by their bootstraps and right. they'll make it work. Right. We don't need to spend money on this shit. We got that good old teaching here. This big state. Yeah. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> we'll just make them the fucking mascot. We've all seen Rudy before. This is going to work. Right. So um, the IDEA Act applies yes. to all schools. Absolutely. Public, private, yes. parochial, charter, independent, mm -hmm. regardless of whether they have the resources or appear to have the resources to cover these needs, they have to do it. It has anyway. to be found. The government has to find has to find the resources, if not at the school you're already at than at another school and to pay for it. So a, a very popular use of this law and a very effective use of this law is that if your child is going to a public school that does not have the means to provide their special education services, you can sue, essentially, ostensibly sue your local district in saying that you're not, you're not, 
fulfilling the needs of the IDEA Act here. I would like, you know, you to pay for my child to go to X private school, which has agreed to accept my child and provide them with all services necessary. Right. And that will be fully funded. Right. And Texas said no. So <laughs> either way, the, it's, it's, the, it's the public school that, is, that has to pay. Right. And as, as uh, I believe we were talking about earlier when, uh, when Betsy DeVos was brought up and also in, in conjunction with the Michigan case, um, you know, this, uh, this, this does come down to a state matter. I mean, or at least some people would think this comes down to a state matter. In fact, you brought up that during Betsy DeVos's actual uh, congressional vetting for her position if you as, can call it that. as as education secretary. Yes. Well, even though she completely bungled the vetting. I mean, like... Right, and she got through anyway. You couldn't be worse at a congressional hearing you than she You flunked the was. interview. Welcome to the, you, welcome to the organization. David, David, she not only flunked the interview, she flunked it, you know, like nude in front of an auditorium full of people. And it was then posted like on a bunch of like ex-girlfriend sites for the entire world to see. Right. She was ridiculed for the next 48 hours by everybody in America, if not the entire world. And then was and just passed the along. <laughs> I mean, you've never seen anything Admit like it. Admit it. She's an amazing woman. <laughs> With I amazing mean, money. In the same way, in the same way that Trump has, you know, Jedi mind powers that you know wipe away people's right. brains. We we have to assume that DeVos is of a similar cunning, I suppose. Yes. Um, but she would have had us believe. In those hearings, uh, uh, who, who asked her the question so about So Senator Kane was the one who asked her. Based, the question was, do you support the IDEAS Act? Do you support the idea that every child in whatever school should receive, and with whatever disability, should receive a quality education? Because right. that is what the IDEA Act states. Yeah. And her answer one of the problems with her answer was that she it didn't seem as though she knew what the IDEA Act was, which is kind of a problem for a Secretary of Education. But aside from that, having basically figured out what he was talking about while he was questioning her, uh, she was willing to say, well, that's the law, which is true. Which is true. But she was not willing to say, I support the law, or I think the law is a good idea. Right. What she was, what she did respond was to say that she thought states should decide this issue. Which now, the is, law, of course, does not give states no, the leeway to decide law. this issue. This is a federal mandate. But in her view, states should be allowed to say, should we support right. all of our special education Which students? Which, again, connection or to should Michigan. should we throw them to the winds? Which, again, connection kick them to, to Michigan, the curb. Who, who has decided that literacy is not a part of your education. All we have to do is open the doors and let you into the building, and we've provided you with our legal obligation. Um, that would fly with her. That right. That completely flies with her. So, I guess my question then is: Really, under the current administration, has Texas broken any laws? I mean, they've been doing this since two thousand four. So obviously, you know. Given, given who uh, President Obama's education secretary was, 
um, who's now, I mean, among the most left-leaning people you can find writing books today outside of Chapo Chap House Guide to Revolution. Um, you know, his his latest work is, is all about, um, you know, just complete, you know, complete socialization, especially regarding education of everything. Oh, okay. Um, it's terrific. Anyway, uh, we'll, we, that's, it's part of our book club. It's coming up. We're going to, we're going to do a reading of that one. I'll make sure you get a chapter to look at. Okay. Um, but, uh, outside of him, I mean, it, you know, it, it sounds like Texas actually did a really good thing under the DeVos plan of, uh, you know, save money where you can, you know, fuck those minorities and those disabled, and we'll just let the the Third Reich uh, finally take hold here in the the heart of our nation, the way it was always meant to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, except the courts, in this case, the courts didn't agree. So they did not. They did not. And now, I mean, what's what's funny, and we made uh, we've made this point with with every state we've discussed so far, uh, you know, falling through the cracks in these circumstances, uh, much like with Oklahoma, much like with uh, Utah, and many of these other places that you know just aren't aren't doing enough taxes. It's sort of a you you made your fucking bed situation. You decided you wanted to scrimp and save, and now the bill is coming due and. Look who you're asking for help. You're asking big government for help, right? They're because they're clearly going to look to the Fed and say, like, what can you do to keep us afloat as a state while we make this work? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have 1.5 billion coming out of nowhere, you know, unless they decide to, I don't know, actually accurately tax their constituents for right. a solid year, right? But we can't expect Texas to, you know, keep to anything like that now, can we? No, and I don't think the money's going to come from the federal government either, so. Are they hoping Bill's coming? Bill and Melinda? Bill and Melinda swooping in with their capes to... I think it comes down to either tax... To save former Mexico? From what I know of the Kansas situation, for example, which is includes education, but it includes everything else, uh, there's only two solutions. Uh, cut services even more... For everyone, not right. just for special education, or raise right. taxes. Those are, there's only they can't print money. It's they are not the United to. States government. They cannot print money. So those are their two alternatives. And what they're doing in Kansas is they're re-raising taxes because you know they cut they cut the taxes to uh, uh, because you know it's going to stimulate the economy and create this this miracle. And the miracle didn't happen. And, they had to cut services. We're still instead. waiting on that miracle. They we're can't still... cut services anymore because they barely have we're any left. We're still waiting on the on the tax baby Jesus to come through mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, surplus mm-hmm. baby Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. gosh darn it! Guess we just have to clap harder. Like it's for a proven Tinkerbell. fact that when you cut taxes, you increase revenues. It's a proven fact. <laughs> I don't know why you don't know this? Listen, we're going to stop right there because uh, I'm in stitches and we're going to come back with the snack report uh, and more from our defunct, defrauded and defunded government. Uh, more on the other side. And. 
and you are back in the crayon box you are in with the dull boys uh we are the dull crayons i'm your host gabriel zuger and we have another very special snack report now this one following up on our recent discussion david of gail simmons and her uh her smuggling of canadian snacks across the border right mm-hmm. a canadian canadian top show uh top top chef uh judge Gail Simmons and her love, her love of her, you know, native born snacks, right? Bringing them home to her, her daughter and her children. Not familiar with the chef. I have heard of the country, however. Have heard of the country, have been to the country. Yes. Um, So there tasted the snacks. Following up on that, we have managed to procure a taste of her favorite and what is purported on this bag to be Canada's number one flavor. Oh my God, how embarrassing. This is the Ruffles All Dressed. Now on the back, it declares that Ruffles All Dressed means, um, in Canada, All Dressed actually means delicious, ridgy chips that somehow taste salty, savory, and sweet all at the same time. Again, this has a maple leaf on the front, which we know means that it is actual government currency, right? This is this is actually, you know, held in, in Canada as as truth, right? As constitutional law that the all dress is the number one flavor in Canada. And on the front it has, you know, a picture of some ketchup, some chili powder, and some vinegar. So those are the three flavors that we're looking for in this fucker. First of all, uh, the description that it it is the that the basis is a ridgy chip. Okay, obviously that's the brand. Just trying that's just to, Ruffles trying to, purport, trying to yeah, ride that's along. Just Ruffles I mean, who, promoting themselves. Well, you know, if there really is a, a, a an ethnic tradition here, a um, what's the word a vernacular tradition mm-hmm. of all dressed items. Okay, I'm sure that they're not restricted to ridged chips or well, even right. chips well right because I'm, I'm, just... I'm i think we could probably get a flank of uh salmon right we could get a salmon yeah. steak that's all dressed probably theoretically, theoretically. If, they, if what they're saying is true about the phrase yeah and the concept okay okay so leaving that aside leaving that aside and assuming that there's something to this and that the something is is sweet and savory and really and tasty who's <laughs> saying it this falls short <laughs> Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't fall short. It falls on its face because I've never tasted anything <laughs> that was less sweet, less salty, and less savory. It's, 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 they tried to do everything, and they ended up doing Zippo. It's it's really unbelievable how how accurate you're being. Um, uh, now I I taste I think overall the most the vinegar coming through. Now that's probably because vinegar is just a stronger flavor and is gonna cut through things like ketchup and chili pepper, chili powder, no matter what. Um, I'm not saying that it's unbalanced in that way, but as you're saying, the volume is at a three here and we need it at an 11 if we're gonna be all dressed, correct? Absolutely. These are naked. These aren't dressed at I, all. I, I'm not this sure a, why you give them a three. This is a goddamn. Maybe I'm not it's a one three. I'm saying, I'm saying on the volume. I'm not. I'm not saying on a scale. No, I'm that's saying, what I'm, I'm saying. saying. Literally the volume the of 
savoriness. But the flavor is there. The flavor is there. There's something there. But these are basically naked pita chips. I mean, they have the equivalent of no flavor and at all. And the thing is, it's initially somewhat there, but then it fades real quick. No finish whatsoever. No finish. Okay, so now... now the opposite of finish. Now, again, we don't want to say that Canada is wrong in proclaiming this their number one flavor, nor that that it is a by any means a, a a disastrous flavor or anything unappealing at all. We simply want to state that Ruffles, who is I'm assuming an American brand, is getting it done very poorly. Correct? We're saying Ruffles, shame on you. Do well, better. Because I don't know this... why you, I don't know why you say I don't know why you're being so nice to them. Frankly, I think this whole package and this whole concept should be deported immediately. We need to call ICE in here. Well, this is this is bringing us to our next topic, which because this snack report is not over, this is in fact a border battle. So calling in ICE is actually probably a very good choice on your part because we are not alone with the all-dressed chip. In fact, we have our other contender coming up right now, and that would be, uh, if you would be so kind as to hand me the package, sir, the Lay's. I just Frito want to point Lays. out. I just want to point out that I do. I do support abolishing ICE. I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm only calling them in on the snack patrol. I'm not calling them in on any humans. Oh, I like snack. Except patrol. maybe the CEO we've, of Ruffles. We've never been known as if the snack that patrol individual before. is not an American citizen. This may be grounds for deportation. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there because Snack Patrol is actually a, a really good label uh, for what we, we have always known as a law and order segment. In the Dolcran's world, snacks of a most unique and often disturbing nature are handled by an elite group of snack reporters. The dedicated commentators tasked with discussing these abominations are known as the Doll Boys. These are their stories. <laughs> As far as the snack report goes, right? Because we are we are all about you know determining uh, you know your violations and your level of punishment. So yes, I think Snack Patrol is good is and evil. Very yeah, very very orderly. Speaking of evil, so speaking of evil, this is coming to us from Lay's. This is part of their Tastes of America series. This would be the wavy bacon wrapped jalapeno popper. So again, coming from Lay's, we have another ruffle chip. That is claiming to do three things at once. It's claiming to be a jalapeno popper, so it's going to be jalapeno and uh, sorry, and uh, cream cheese, jalapeno, cream cheese, and it's going to be bacon wrapped. So there's going to be bacon in there as well. David, how is America doing in their trifecta compared to Canada? If you thought that the all dressed chip was a disappointment. <laughs> Let me introduce you to the wavy, bacon-wrapped piece of nothing that I just tasted. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't taste any bacon. I don't taste any jalapeno. I don't taste any cream cheese. I don't know what's going on here. So I'm going to... I mean, it's not the worst chip in the world, but don't tell me that it has any of these flavors, okay? I'm going to stop you there because I, I do get some cream cheese. Now, I mean, is it... Cream cheese, cream cheese? No, but I, I, I get I get a sense of artificial cream cheese flavor. I don't know what that constitutes. I don't know where you get that from. If it's xanthan gum or whatever the fuck ingredient on the back it is, you know, red number nine. Um, and I almost get, because having looked at the package very carefully, I know that there is some actual like pork extract in there. I almost get 
some bacon in there. I do not, by any means, get anything close to a jalapeno. And if you're going to be a jalapeno popper, you better have some fucking jalapeno zest. They're not even approaching zest. This is the least zesty. I've eaten wheat thins, plain wheat thins that are zestier than this thing. Agreed. So... So are you uh, telling me these are not halal or kosher? Oh, they are definitely not halal or kosher. In fact, I mean, you know, or vegetarian? I, they're they're not vegetarian. I I did break and I I have broken before. Um I did break my code uh just to try these things, but that's the kind of dedication you're getting on the dull crans is I will actually eat pork uh pork byproduct or pork <laughs> natural flavoring as it were. Um, in order to give you a fully accurate, unbiased snack report. Um, so, you know, hopefully my, my BMs and my, my uh, gastrointestinal system are standing up tomorrow. But uh, Yes, and as far as, as, far as, as far as being unbiased is concerned, I think we've, we've trashed uh, the Ruffles people and we've now trashed the Lay's people, although if I read... If I read the fine print, I might discover that they're actually owned by the same company. They're so I don't know. A hundred percent owned by the same company. Oh, it's all Lay. It's all Frito Lay. It's all Frito Lay. Correct. Correct. Pep. Correct. What's PepsiCo? Uh, PepsiCo. Yep. Yep. Right. Natural sponsor of the show, PepsiCo. <laughs> R.I.P. to Indra Nui, as always. R.I.P.s. You did it. You did it, girl. You done did it. What? You're looking at me quizzically. Is that was that their CEO? She was their CEO what as happened? of I thought she four still weeks was. ago. Uh, she has stepped down. No. Yes, she is being replaced, David. So, so you're saying one of the one or two out of several hundred CEOs of Fortune 500 companies that uh, of female orientation that were, that, and minority that descent is yeah. gone. Uh huh. I'm definitely saying that, mm. and I'm also I didn't saying even know that. that. I'm also saying that because of, and we've already discussed this on the pod, I'm surprised you don't know, that because of her long standing in the company, she was actually, I mean, one of the longest uh, running CEOs at, uh, at 12 years currently, really? um, that we do believe wholeheartedly that this was a making of her own, uh, that she was ousted. And we do also hold true, as we do with Oklahoma and as we do with uh, Texas now, that we broke this story wide fucking open with the Lady Snacks report. Indra put her fat pumps in her mouth when she declared Lady Snacks be addressed by the Frito-Lay company in the future. Okay, well, I'm not up on the story, so I can't I can't argue with you, but I have the feeling that if if the performance... You know, on the uh, on the profit level and the stock level was was up there that they they would have uh, overlooked uh, a little PR fiasco like that. A little, but um, you know, as this, you say, this uh, CEOs come and go. It's just that I'm sure she was replaced by a white male, and this, so she was. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, no, actually, he's he's of uh, Latino descent, I oh. believe. But okay, well, uh, a male. We'll we'll yes. go with a male. A passing male, surely. Um, but th- this uh, this discussion of ICE and this discussion of, uh, you know, U.S. government agencies and, uh, and of course, of cutting spending around, yes. around the board uh, brings us to our next topic, um, 
which uh, does come back to a, a, a favorite bug of mine. Uh, that would be school shooters. And this article coming to us from Ed Surge, titled Secret Fusion Centers and the Search for the Next School Shooter. Since 2001, the federal government has provided state and local law enforcement agencies with grants, training, and other forms of assistance to create a national network of so-called fusion centers. Buildings and locations not disclosed to the public where government officials gather, process, and disseminate information about terrorism, homeland security, and criminal justice on a daily basis. Oh, and they're highly secretive. The idea sprung up after September 11th, after the September 11th terrorist attacks, which, as we know, was when all good ideas were started in the immediate aftermath of September 11th. Oh, yeah. Those good ideas include the Iraq War. Homeland Security Homeland Security, the Patriot Act. Uh, you know, NSA spying. Uh, the increase of, of residents at uh, Guantanamo Bay. Right. Um, okay. Torture. <laughs> Lots of good stuff. Uh, when Americans seemed more open to ceding particular privacy rights in the name of public safety. No, we didn't. But okay, go ahead and declare that, Ed Surge. The concept alone may seem a little troubling to privacy advocates, but it takes on a more dystopian bent in its intersection with school safety. During the 2017-18 school year, there were more than 23 school shootings, putting both federal and local officials on high alert as they entered into a continuous and heated debate about the best way to respond. While some have called for arming teachers and others for stricter gun control laws, Another swath of leaders are calling for increased high-tech surveillance of students, reflecting something that may sound eerily similar to the Steven Spielberg film Minority Report. And they should mention the Philip K. Dick short story Minority Report on which that was based, where a specialized law enforcement unit apprehends criminals before they commit crimes based on pre-knowledge provided by psychics. Uh, So what they're going to go on to say here if I can paraphrase, is that there are fusion centers here in the country whose sole mission is to collate information, to gather information with each other about the about potential school shooters based solely on social media profiles. So, so kids, if you're out there and you're thinking about doing something really violent stay off the internet i mean absolutely that's the case but the other i you know if if we thought that schools weren't prison like enough right with you know we've got you know sheriffs and deputies at the schools we've got you know metal detectors everywhere you go you've got you know a, a total role everywhere you know whatever 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 that's not enough that's we're not now enough. gonna go all minority report on your asses. eagle eye minority report drone strike we want the full magilla on this fucker your asses are ours we're reading everything you write on social media i, I mean it's it's funny and 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 you know, there there are plenty of people out there who are going, ah, oh, they're, they're not reading everything. You know, the, the NSA, they're not listening to every phone call I make on AT&T. But we know that there are supercomputers. There's one particular supercomputer, in fact, in I think it's Ridgewood, Tennessee, that, that houses a, a computer capable of running 16, you know, million 
quadratic equations per second that is absolutely sifting through every motherfucker on Facebook's, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, paragraphs about when their girlfriend broke up with them for lines from Mein Kampf and you know Threats. quotes quotes from the Aurora shooter, right. you know, and anybody and and uh, you know the Boston bombers and and anybody else, you know. Right. Um. So right as you said, definitely don't post any shit online. But also, it's just funny that this is the way we're choosing to spend our money. When, as they pointed out, there 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 are going to be other cases that can be made for how to protect our students. Instead, we should actually base our security and the the future generations of our nation on Minority Report on a fucking Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> <laughs> about maybe we'll get lucky and we'll stop somebody before the act and we'll probably throw him into Guantanamo Bay where he can never receive a fair trial because he didn't commit any crime. I, I mean, what is what is the best possible outcome here? Well, I think that's the problem is what what, what is the proof of concept uh, that there are fewer school shootings because of this, that there are no school shootings? Do we think that's going to happen? And if it did happen, would would this would there be any reason to tie it to something like this? David, I think they would settle. I think they would settle for fewer. I think they would even settle for saying that in the upcoming years, school shootings there are less casualties. Didn't increase. Yeah, I. I, I the think, rate of increase has slowed. Uh, right, right. It has slowed exactly. It stayed at twenty three in the next academic calendar as it was in the previous one. Oh right. my God, the fusion centers are working. Right. <laughs> Incidentally, I pictured the fusion centers as kind of like that installation in uh, Stranger Things and yeah. the first season of yeah. Stranger Things. Right. Something out in the woods. Oh, totally. Behind. Lots of barbed wire. A lot of yeah, barbed yeah, yeah, wire. Yeah. Lots of fences. Yeah. I'm also imagining that their that their tactics, because I mean we're talking about their gathering of information and their their identifying of certain you know individuals or suspects, but we haven't talked about how exactly they're going to then impact these people. But there's there's a the, a very popular meme out there that you know goes something like this. There's an image of somebody uh, making a, a very uh, observant quote, and then. A text being received on their phone from the FBI that says stay where you are or maybe it'll say from it's from the Illuminati saying stay where you are or something of that nature mm -hmm. and I imagine that's kind of what they're hoping to do it's like you know somebody has written a number of essays on Facebook about you know feeling unappreciated and unloved and blah 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 and then suddenly they get like a friend request from a federal agent saying like you are loved and also we know where you live so don't you fucking try anything sonny well that would be you know that would be minimal intervention well because if they haven't david I if mean, they haven't broken the law would, what what do we think their that actual would be, protocols that are? would be yeah that would be bad enough but then of course there's the knock on the door there's the visit there's the search there's the you know, probable cause I mean, based on social media. Yeah, but I, I mean, can see them stretching it to that. Oh, Why sure, not? but but they've seen they've seen Looper and Deadpool two before. They know that like any any kind of like manhandling of that nature is only potentially going to push somebody further, isn't it? Or oh well, then maybe they should just pick them all up and <laughs> I think they should just put them, them in pre-trial detention. In... <laughs> 
Wait, did you say something about Guantanamo? I hear there's a lot of empty space there because a lot of those people have been shipped home. That's right. I did hear that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, um, I think they have room for you know several hundred. So that should probably take care of the problem, right? So as we're saying, this this is the way that we're we're choosing to deal with our things. The other way that we're choosing to deal with our our school safety issues that I think does bring us back to our topic of donor uh, what what is it again donor cho- donors choose yes um is really I love that uh, I love that name also yeah donors choose donors teachers choose, don't right. choose no students don't choose no parents don't choose no. voters don't choose don't voters don't choose donors choose yeah, yeah, yeah elected officials don't choose no nope, donors um and the big donors like Bill and Melinda they choose big but so as far as school safety goes there there is a certain uh. Uh, again, a sort of state level thing or district level thing where it's, you know, it's all, it's, there's a lot of discussion after one school shooting and then it trickles down to very little. Um, and, and it's almost a sort of outsourcing of like, well, if you've got a good idea, let's hear it from you. Because, you know, so far, you know, cutting, cutting back on gun sales isn't going to help or we're not going to choose to do that or arming teachers people aren't agreeing with. Um, and a big story on Good Morning America the other day uh, that I happened to catch a clip of was a child, a, a young girl in high school, who developed something called Safe Kids. Now, Safe Kids, SAFE is an acronym. I'm not even going to look up what it stands for because I don't care. But Safe Kids is basically a wall. It is a wall that hides in your classroom. I think Safe classroom. Kids stands for Stay Away From Everyone, Kids. <laughs> Safe Kids is a wall. <laughs> I mean, just don't leave your bedroom. <laughs> Even your parents cannot be trusted. Right. Um, Safe Kids, by her design, is a wall that hides against your regular classroom wall. But when you hear that there is a lockdown or you know some sort of threat in the building, this you know essentially Teflon wall is then able to be pulled out. In order to protect your, you know, crouching class of kindergartners, high schoolers, etc. So it's it's angled. It's got two pieces to it. It's you know, it it's a hiding mechanism, but I think it's also meant to be bulletproof or at least bullet resistant. And she designed this thing. This again was a freshman in high school designed this thing as what she described to be a a non-political solution mm-hmm. to a political problem because she felt like you know it was it was too political that you know people say oh we should take guns away or too political to say oh we should arm our teachers mm. so this this was her third response her so third so students in china are working on you know uh space flight yes. or whatever yes jet and, propulsion systems right and right and our students are working on not die shields from school <laughs> shooters um Great. now the the of course the lovely irony of this thing and you know it's patent pending so uh you know get get your matching patents out there if you decide to uh go against this girl or just try to short her market later i think that'll be the brighter move uh mm. once she goes public um but the irony out there of course is that we've been talking this entire time about cost saving measures in classrooms 
right. and cutting Above back all, we on just don't have everything. money for this stuff. We don't we have, have money. To cut back. David, we don't have money for fucking pencils. That's right. Let alone or colored pencils, let alone fucking tissue paper. Why would we have we need to reuse Why would that we have Kleenex. money for guns for teachers or for a bulletproof wall that comes out of your all I mean, at this point, why not make the whole building bulletproof? Guess what? The whole building's bulletproof. We don't need a wall anymore. Well, you know, it's a Every ve- window. Hey, look, this is a very wealthy country. I don't see why we can't afford an armored personnel carrier for every school. <laughs> and everyone, you know, if there's an emergency, everyone just jumps in. You know, you, you said stay away from everybody, but I think, I think the issue is that, you know, we can, we can still be around each other. We just always need to be in personalized Pope mobiles. Correct? Right. You know, these cryogenic, you know, completely clean spaces that also happen to be bulletproof. Right. We can't be attacked by sarin gas or, you know, nerve gas, bullets, nothing. And we'll just be educated that way. Right. Uh, and a little body armor and some, you know, a few extra weapons wouldn't hurt either. But again, this this notion to me of... The fact that that somebody decided there's a third way, right? And again, this goes back to school funding. Why should we be deciding, oh, instead of the government paying for it and taxes paying for it or it not happening, Private ingenuity is going to solve all our problems. Right. Instead of of writing laws that make us safer or treating our citizens with more humanity so that they have less imperative to shoot each other. I'm sorry. We have a social problem and we haven't asked Elon Musk whether he can solve (laughs) it yet. What is wrong with us? Well, wait. Do we not have his Twitter handle? David, he did design the personalized submarine. He's going to design the kid-shaped. provide one for every school. He's going to design the kid-shaped Pope Mobile, okay? It's going to be something in which you can walk around freely in this thing knowing that you are 100% safe from all armed gunmen. Well, he better get on it. That's all I can say. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's actually, I believe it's why— Because, you know, there's a line of people waiting for him with other issues that he has to deal with. I believe know? it's why he took his, his Instagram account down. I, it's it's because he's, he's so going busy. into the bunker and he's working. Look, he's, he's, he's working got, hard. He doesn't have time for Azalea Israeli, Banks. The Israeli-Palestinian thing for, to solve. For his goth girlfriend right now, he's got to figure this shit out and he just needs a little peace and privacy. He just wants everybody to get off his back for a little bit. Pure cancer. That's why he's not writing any original tweets anymore. He's just sending out you know, uh, quotes from, you know, depressed, uh, you know, American poets. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, From Yeats and from Ginsburg and from Lawrence Ferlinghetti. I mean, we're going to be receiving a lot of Coney Island of the mind uh, from Elon Musk in the coming weeks because he's he's hard at work. Oh, and he's definitely hard at work. Yes. But we just need to leave Elon alone. Just leave him just alone. Leave him alone. He's him, gonna. He's gonna get let there. Him work. He's gonna help us. Let him get on it. All right, David. So how about a little food for thought to end this episode? See okay. what I did there? Yeah. Those those listening at home, that's a that's a playback joke. Okay. So after you finish, play it back. It will make a lot more sense on the other side. So we're gonna be talking a little bit about. Um, who is America? The latest Sasha Baron Cohen project, which I'm sure we've 
all been enjoying enjoying over at Showtime, um, and which I, for the most part, have been enjoying reading even more than watching the show, because just just and we reading still have these things. The Sarah Palin episode to look forward we have, to. It's probably s- the finale of the season. We have so many things to still look forward to, and I just I love reading the recaps of these things, especially because you'll afterwards get you know the the doopies uh, take you know, from whatever news outlet they're talking to about, like, why they decided to fall for this, you know, complete buffoon in costume, right? Why why they gave in, why they took their pants off or exposed themselves or said whatever idiotic thing they did, um, which all comes off as still just like, yeah, but you are the idiot who did exactly what happened. Except for Senator Bernie Sanders, who didn't fall for it and basically said, what the fuck is this? With 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 several exceptions, Bernie Bernie included, um, but I I would argue, and I, I I think that this is really what what uh, Sasha is getting at, or at least what he certainly started with, is that you know he's decided as as he did with his Ali G characters and his Borat characters, but even more so here that the the power of the the host is incredible, right, and that if you're the person with the camera and you're telling somebody else what it is, right? What what this thing is going to be that, you know, similar to the what is it? The the Migram experiment. Milgram. Milgram, thank you. Similar to the Milgram experiment, the psychological experiment in which, you know, doctors in lab coats would tell a a uh, a test subject, you're going to turn this dial you don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen on the other side of the screen, and you just keep turning this dial, and they would turn the dial up, and then somebody would be electrocuted on the other side of the screen, and they would hear screams Supposedly and see a silhouette, fake, fake electrocution, yes, um, and then they would stop turning it, and they would go, oh, no, I, I don't want to do that anymore, and then the doctor in the lab coat, again, potentially fake doctor, would say, no, just keep doing it. Like, please turn it all the way to 11, and without almost any question, they would do it mm-hmm. 100% of the time. And I think that's what Sasha's getting at is he can pretty much get anybody to do anything that he wants, supposing you've already, you know, agreed to come on the show at all, right? Agreed to come on whatever right. fake there show has to be he's, some, he's established. There has to be some buy-in to begin with. Just right. as there was with the experiment, there had to be people who said, oh, this is a scientific experiment I'm supposed to be it's not about electrocution. It's about what these people are doing on the other side and wh- how I evaluate that. And they're studying. They're, they're not studying me. They're studying those people. But and that's I what it's to, about. I have right. to cooperate. It's about selling a good story, right? right? In in all cases, it's about selling a good story and having people want to buy a good story. Because right. at the end of the day, that's and and that's what that's who America is. That's what he's getting at. We all want to buy. A good story and sometimes we'll even go so far as to again expose ourselves or expose ourselves as frauds you know on camera in order to buy that good story so right of the 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 obverse way of looking at the Milgram experiment is to say people have standards people have principles they people have, have ethics absolutely let's see how those hold up and of course they didn't when an at authority all. figure steps in right right so in this case, certain people have passed this exam. I mean, again, Senator Bernie Sanders 
apparently has enough principles so that when somebody is spouting complete garbage at him, he doesn't like try to figure out how it can be rational. He just says, I'm out of here. I don't have time right, for this. Right. So as as of this, But a lot of people do not. But a lot of people go stay. the other way. So as of this recording, the last episode of Who is America uh, to come out um, is is going to be most remembered for its segment, including the uh, the food critic, food critic, right? The famed food critic of uh, I believe DinnerReview.com, DinnerReviews.com, Bill Gila, okay, right. who sat down with who he thought was an ex-convict named Rick Sherman. A redemption story. A redemption story. Again, selling a good story. A top chef. Right. So an, a British ex-convict who was now out of jail, opening his own restaurant, executive chef, and who was telling a, a, a beautiful narrative through his craft of cooking. Right? Which involved... So, Prison-themed food. So as as Sasha has you have to done, buy into that one to start with, which is a little yes. a little heavy, but okay. As Sasha has done with with all of his subjects, uh, not just in this show, but in his in his past shows, um, you know he does he does want to rope you in slowly. He he knows not to overstep too soon. Okay, so when we see the first segment with Bill Gila, he's he's giving him you know almost an amuse bouche really. You know, just something of, of prison of prison, flavored food. Exactly. Which food is that... which is for him a beans and toast medley. Yes. It's a single bean on a single piece of toast in a row of four. And that's it. Um and you see Bill just eat this up and, you know, go so to, to speak. Well, and no, frankly, and, and literally and figuratively eat it up. I mean, he really goes you know, back and forth with this character, right. you know, Rick Sherman or whoever he is, about, oh, yes, this is terrific. Here's what I take away from it. It seems, at this stage, it seems credible. Okay. Pretty. I mean, tiny little bits of food presented Look, in an artisanal way. If you've watched We're all familiar Ugly with Delicious, this. yes, yes. Yeah. If you've seen Hero Dreams yeah. of Sushi, yes, sure. this is, yeah. No, no, no. Again, he knows what he's doing. But he's then. selling it. But he's then. selling it well. But then. There's a second. There's a second. Food. And the second you would almost think. In fact, we would think the second that jumps the shark. This is the point where this he walks away. This is the point where he says, oh, wait a minute. This is the moment where you know you've I either got a sucker on the hook yes. or you've got Bernie Sanders. Right. Okay. So this is when he tells him a true story. This is a true story about, you know, his, his cellmate in prison. His cell husband, I believe, is having a, an anniversary of some kind. And he, he, special he wants to get him a special food. He wants to get him some veal. So he talks to the guy, you know, it's like Shawshank. You got to talk to the right guy who can, you know, import the right stuff. Right. So he talks to his importer friend who and it's manages to sneak veal in. the in, traditional way. In the traditional prison sense, in a prophylactic, in a condom, shoved up his ass. <laughs> in, his, in his man pocket, as it were. Um <laughs> So now you're hearing this story and you're like, okay, but he's, he's still going to serve him veal at the end of the day. Well, yes and no, because the plate comes out. That would be bad enough and it, and it actually if it was veal is, that, you know, whatever, it actually had that is provenance, so to speak. a meat-filled condom. 
which he has described as, you know, the, the movement in the rectum has, you know, sort of softened and tenderized the meat in a way, blah, blah, blah. So Rick, a.k.a. Sasha, is really selling this thing. And the condom comes out full of meat. And Bill looks at it and you're like, okay, this is a walkaway moment, Bill. You can do this. <laughs> Have some human dignity. And instead... Instead, he picks up the knife. He cuts that condom open exposing the meat with joy. As soon as the condom explodes with meat, he's overjoyed. He goes, yes, oh, there it is. He's loving it. He's loving the experience of it as a, you know, f- food editor would. Yeah, it's so visceral, right? I'm, I'm getting all my senses tingling. I'm jizzing in my pants. And then he actually eats from what he's still assuming was a condom held in somebody's rectum Well, I I don't know if it was presented as that condom or simply a condom that was, uh, you know, standing in, symbolizing the original. I still think the meat was somehow tenderized in the (laughs) condom, whether whether actually, you know, in the anus of somebody, not necessarily walking a prison yard, but maybe a sous chef walking (laughs) back and forth along the cook line. Um... But anyway, he opens this bastard up, he starts eating from it, and he declares with emphasis that it is unquestionably the best taste of meat he's ever had in his life. Right. He's absolutely amazed by how great it is. Okay. So now, so again, we're thinking you already jumped the shark. There's nowhere else to go. Just, you know, pull your fucking mask off, Sasha, and just let him know that the game is up. You know, you just ate from someone's ass on te- You ate meat from but an ass on But that's not a revelation because yes, you, what you're saying is he's already been told that. Okay? Okay. There's no revelation in so, so he's on This the is line. not Milgram where, you know, later you find out he, he's... There's no wall. This is Milgram without a wall. Actually, you're right. You're right. And this is, we're going to torture this person. Are you on board? And that, that I think is, is an important point about what's different about this experiment of Sasha's versus some of the others where he has talked to senators or Congress people about potential bills regarding the arming of children or, you know, uh, changing the 1% to the hundred percent or whatever, whatever have you. Which is that those are all those all do exist in the hypothetical, and this exists as you point out in the real. Whether or not this condom was held in someone's ass, this person point blank was told, "I'm gonna feed you a condom of meat," <laughs> right? And they ate it, right. and they loved it, right? So that's not all, though. That's just that's, that's just only the, hook. the second one. That's just to get you to right. the third one, which is human meat. Right. Sasha presents that uh, I, I don't remember the whole story, but it it went something along the lines of, you know, we wanted to procure something, blah, blah, blah. We were he wound up being fed in prison human meat unbeknownst to him and loving it. And so as a result, he went to the black market and he found some Chinese dissident mm-hmm. uh, meat. Much like people donate. Organs for yes. others is presented death. as right a donor. This situation. was a donor situation, right, by a prisoner, right. which is 
a contradiction. But anyway. Of course, right. Uh, a prisoner who was later described as being, you know, basically so penned in as to have a completely like fatty a veal body. Cow, right. Like a veal, right. Like a veal or a caged, you know, chicken. Right. Um, so here we're surely expecting Bill Gila to say, no, 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 you sir. Know, you can't uh, feed me a Chinese uh, prisoner. You can't, uh, you know, feed me somebody speaking against the government. You can't feed me a human period. I'm, I, I, my hat's off to you. I wish you all the success in the world. Right, and right, I hope right. The this is a wonderful venture you. you've got going here, right. but I don't think I can participate <laughs> in this part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, but he sits through the whole story. Mm-hmm. And the plate comes out. He looks kind of excited at, at that point. And I mean, there's, he's really looking forward to this. There's two pieces of what look to be very soft uh, Chinese dissident on the plate. <laughs> right. And he takes the first one into his mouth. And as you just said, he, he is, he's wet. He is just a big wet boy from the whole thing. He, he declares, again, veal, the veal condom was the best meat he'd ever had. Right. This thing just liquefied on the tip of his oh tongue. Oh, my God. It was butter. Oh, it was he butter. He said it was butter. It was butter. It was human fucking butter is what it was. And after eating the first piece... He ate the second piece. He finished the fucking plate. Oh, it was worse than that. Because afterwards, he then <laughs> thanked the family for donating this wonderful Again, meal to him. That's that to me is the Milgram, right? Because at that point, Sasha in character says to him, now won't you look at the camera and thank the Lou family right. for allowing you to eat of their child? Right. And that's when he does do that. So that to me is, again, all right, now I'm giving you an order, but you still have a choice. You still have total human agency. You can say, no, sir, that is going too far. I think once you've eaten it, <laughs> you've pretty much, uh, that switch know. has been pulled. I don't know. He, Are you really going to eat it and then say, I can't thank the family? He gave it a name, though, David. You need, he gave you, the meat you, a you name. Need, you, you, you've already said it's a he positive experience a for you, so then you have to give something back, right? I guess. If he'd said, oh, my God. That was horrible. I can't believe I did that. Then it would make sense to say, no, I'm not going to thank anyone for it. I mean, really. But he is grateful. Really? What, he said it was butter. Really, what disappoints me, David, when you have at the a end good of the meal, day, you have to come on. What disappoints me at the end of the day about Reciprocate. the Bill, the Bill Gila experience is that he really never asked Rick about his sustainability program. He really didn't ask him what happened to the rest of the Lou body, right? You right. know, whether the rest of it was used for, you know, other dining experiences. Will there be other meals that I can Will attend? Will there be other meals, right? Were, were his bones then generously donated to this, that, or the other? I, I mean, I really would have, you know, at least wanted him to, you know, so as a, a, nice as a bone true marrow foodie, soup I can have a taste as a true of. foodie, you know, would to know what, what really happened to the rest. And, and, you know, are we honoring his body in, in every way that we can? Right. Right. Uh, so. But it was, uh, it was pretty horrifying. I have to say, um, you know, I mean, it, we, we have to stipulate that he didn't find a, a mainstream food person to 
do this experiment on, or if he did, it was a failure, and we're not going to see the video. And we're not going to. He right, found a right. really obscure guy who runs a food website, but as far as we know, it's he is still a real guy, a real foodie, and, a real resident of Florida, and. and and a real uh, eye opener. <laughs> and look, I, I I'd like to state for myself that I I, I truly appreciate the service, especially in this case. Really, especially in this case, over over all the things that Sasha has done on Who Is America, especially in this case, I appreciate the service that he has done because I do believe that our chef culture has gotten completely out of control. And at the end of the day, for me, all I can really be grateful for is once again rippies to sir anthony bourdain i'm just glad you anthony didn't have to see this That's go right. down he this way he didn't live to see this you thank didn't goodness. have to see your craft and you know the the work that you did to create chef culture in the way that it is destroyed in a single moment the way that no, but, it was but you but you make a good point if, if this is the demonstration that foodie culture has gone too far in the Absolutely. same way that you know arming toddlers gun, gun culture shows you that far. gun culture Absolutely. has gone too far although i think we knew on, on that score we, we we had a lot of more we, information we, on how we, it's gone over the line we already knew in both yeah. cases which David. is what we had enough statistics well, on in Netflix both cases as far as their chef culture goes in both cases but in the case of gun culture just the fact that we had a national debate about arming teachers shows that everyone is aware of how ridiculous that has gone. Right. Whereas I don't think everyone is quite as aware of just how crazy food culture can be. And now we have the proof of exactly how crazy it can be. I really hope that, how, we're aware now. I really hope that everybody's be. third fucking eye is open <laughs> yes. as far as this stupid celebrity chef culture goes because we need to be there. We need to be at the Sasha Baron Cohen level of understanding about just, well, just how fucking it's not just the celebrity absolutely culture. batshit crazy all of it is. It's not just a celebrity culture. It's the whole concept that the taste of the item is the most important thing. Chinese dissident, whatever you got. The important thing is how does it taste? If it's sublime, then you know all all other bets are off, right? No, no, no. Sustainability. But no, no, no. But David, but civil David, liberties. No, 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 no. You're you're ignoring a factor. Human meat. No, no, no. Narrative is important too, right? That that was the other thing that right, Sasha right, right. presented. Right. Oh, that's true. I have a narrative. I have a backstory that you want and to buy it into. Fits into this beautiful story. Yes. It fits into a story, right? Even if you're of ethics, a chef. even if your humanity is is brought into question at the very touch of this meme. Strange that somebody would have sympathy for an ex-con becoming a chef, which is a great idea, Jesus. but not for an ex-dissident becoming a meal. On so many levels. So many goddamn levels. It's yes. It will go down in absolute history and and this will go down as the end of this episode. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, please do support us at patreon.com slash delcrans. Subscribe to us. Subscribe your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your grandmothers. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Write to us at delcrans at gmail.com. And we will catch you on a future episode. David, say goodnight. Good night. Goodnight.
The Dull Crayons is a free and independent podcast supported by listeners like you. To show us support and keep us free, stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dullcrayons and write into us at dullcrayons at gmail.com. Along with our hosts for this episode, we'd like to thank Jesse Katz and Gwen Gallitzer for the theme music and Colin Matthews for the logo.